This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Okay, Proverbs 24, verse 6. I, I kind of got this thought, really, and it, it's this thought that... I want to talk, believe it or not, about failure. And how failure can either freeze us or it can free us. People can often be paralyzed because of failures in life. And I just want to talk about how that we can either allow failure to free us or we can allow failure to paralyze us. Hands up, anybody who's never failed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reality is, you know, we're all... In fact, I'll probably say, who's not failed this week, for example, you know? Uh, and so I just want to talk a little bit how we deal with failure and how we can rise up to it. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 16, he says, For the righteous man shall fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. As I said, often failure can actually freeze us. And yet whenever you look through the Bible, there are so many people that failed. Isn't that right? I think of Moses... I think of David, who was an expert in failure. His life was full of all kinds of failure in his life. And, and you can go throughout the Bible, we think of, I think of Peter, how he failed. And, and so the Bible's full of people that, that failed. And often without realizing it, failure can actually freeze us. It can hold us back. Maybe you go through things you don't expect to go through. Things happen to you. Something you attempted and it just didn't turn out the way that you thought it would be. You see it as a failure. Maybe you witnessed to someone and they rejected it. You thought, right, that is it. I'm not going to witness again. Maybe you, you, you really poured out your love to someone and, and tried to befriend someone and truly really poured out your love to someone. Someone betrayed you or, and failed you in some way. And so you kind of think, that's it. I'm just keeping myself distant. I'm not going to trust people again. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you failed an interview. Maybe you believed God for a dream. And it just didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would turn out. Maybe you're really going for God at some point and And you're really pressing in, really going for God and something kind of happened. And some opposition rose up or, or something disappointed you. And it caused you in some way just to pull back from that. In other words, the failure that you felt you experienced paralyzed you or kind of caused you to pull back. Rather than freeing you, it paralyzed you and held you back. And failure can kind of happen. And it has that effect to sort of bring great, a freezing effect. I remember many years ago... uh, Turning over a minibus, I don't like to mention those moments, but that was a kind of, that was a horrendous moment when we kind of turned over this minibus, and it was a horrible experience. Just if, I remember it was on the M6, and the minibus turned over, and we just kind of, I remember that minibus kind of scratching along the floor. You could just see the, and you just, just kind of scraped along the floor for a few moments, and it, horrible experience, I just remember that, and glass was falling all over the place. It was just a miracle, I mean, Carlos was with me at the time, it was a, it was a miracle we actually came through that, and 
totally unscathed really in many ways. All kinds of miracles happened in that situation. But I remember a week later, somebody was asking me to drive a minibus to move some furniture. And I remember sitting in that minibus and I froze. I just couldn't even drive it. It was that, all the thoughts, all the memories of that crash. And I, I just froze. And after that, our failure can cause that in so many ways. That, that sense of, of, of freezing. And we can feel a failure in all kinds of things. We can feel a failure as a parent. Put your hand up if you ever felt that. <sighs> Many of us have felt that, haven't we? Failure, failure as a spouse. Just a, sometimes we just feel a failure in life. But I think that the, the worst thing that failure does, it stops us attempting anything. That because we attempted something before and it failed, that means we, we don't attempt anything from that point on. And almost the worst kind of failure is never to attempt anything again. Because the failure has totally froze us. And I think often that we live in a society that actually almost, almost enjoys people failing. We almost want to lift people up and let them fall. And we enjoy telling about their failure. You know, almost we're, like the, we're kind of like the football fans. We're the worst, aren't we, football fans, you know. If I was a manager, I'd do this. Or if I was playing, I'd do this, I'd do that. Why didn't they pass the ball there? Why didn't they do that? And often we can be almost, in many ways in life, spectators watching everybody else attempt and fail, but never really attempting anything ourselves because of failures that we've experienced in our own life. And I think people can actually be in a a kind of time warp And I just wonder this morning, how much failure has got hold of us? I was thinking about this. Isn't it amazing? Just one moment in life can freeze you for the whole of your life. Just one moment. One moment of failure. One bad experience. Just one moment can mean people can live the whole of the rest of their life gripped and held by that moment in life. But I'm glad Jesus has the ability to free us from failure. And I think a lot of Christians don't live free because they've got a wrong understanding of failure. That they're bound to things that hold them that once was, rather than allowing it to be released to what God has. And I think Satan wants you to become entangled in failure. He wants you to become caught up with the reality of failure. How many are glad that God is the answer for failure? He frees us right in the middle of our failure. I said before, the fear of failure is the greatest failing of all. Almost because people have had that failure in their life, they're almost afraid of failure. Isn't it amazing? You look at so much in life that we don't attempt things because we're afraid of failing. I remember years and years ago when I was at Bible college, and I was leading the meeting one time. And I remember the, the guy who was speaking was the lecturer in Greek. I always remember that. And someone gave a, a tongue. And I knew I had the interpretation in my head. I knew I had the interpretation. I just knew I knew I knew I knew. How many felt that? I know I've got it. I've got the interpretation. There. And I was holding back, hoping somebody else would give. Because I thought to myself, if I give that word, what if it's not theologically correct? And the awful sense, if I give it, then what if I fail? What if, if I give that word and, and it, this Greek lecturer says to me, oh, John, that wasn't actually sociologically correct what you said. And I remember all those thoughts bombarding my mind. 
I was so glad that I kind of put those thoughts around and just kind of gave it, if you like. And it fitted in so much with the word he gave. But the point is that so much of the fear of failure holds us back. We're afraid often to give prophetic words. What if it's not from God? What about if it is from God? We're afraid to, I don't want to pray for that sick person. What if they're not healed? And, and so often, we're always looking at failure as an excuse for not doing what we feel God has called us to do. And often the fear of failure can hold us back in so many areas and dimensions of life. We're afraid to witness, what if that person rejects us? What if that person kind of pulls back? What if it affects my relationship with them? And, and so much of all this failure grips us and holds us and prevents us from really moving all that God has for us. You see, amen? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love never fails. Isn't that awesome? In other words, even though at times we may fail, the love of God is so awesome and so strong and powerful, it overwhelms even our failure. And let me just say this, that whenever you do something in love, even though it may not turn out the way you, that you hoped it may do, even if that person rejects it, in the end it will, always, it will never fail. I've never found any time anyone has ever stepped out in love that that in their life has never, never failed. You'll always succeed at some point in life. But the point is that, that God's love is greater than even our failure. And the problem is we think our failure is bigger than God's love. But God's love is greater than even our failure. And I think God honours you more when you're willing to step out, take a risk and even fail than when you don't even step out at all. Because love, and I think one of the things that prevents us from stepping out is because we're not really confident in the fact of the love of God. And the more confident you become in the love of God, the more you realize his love is greater than our failure. Can you say amen? His love is so awesome. Let me just say the first thing about failure. Failure needs to be confined. In other words, that we have to confine failure because if we don't, failure will cause us to go out of control. Paul said, there's one thing I've learned to do. He said, I don't look back, I confine it. I don't allow my failure to stop what is taking place here and now. He says, I count all things as lost. He says, I don't look back. In other words, we have to learn to put boundaries on our failure. Turn with me again to that verse in Proverbs. We need to get a hold of this. Right there in verse 16. He says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. But notice this. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. In other words, how can you rise when you fail? Because you learn to confine failure to its rightful place. But he says the wicked, they fall into calamity. When they fail, when they mess up, they actually often fall apart in life. Calamity overwhelms them. They can't seem to rise up against their failure. It brings calamity. They, they, it's, it's a calamity of fear, calamity of unbelief, calamity of bitterness. Failure comes and hits them so strong that it causes them to live an out-of-control life. How many people do you know and you've seen their life spiral out of control because of a moment that happened in their life and now they can't control it. It's just overwhelming, overtaking them. 
Their lives are totally out of control because of a failure, because of something that took place in their life. I remember many, many years ago, and it kind of it was such a sad situation, but one guy that I remember talking to and we were counseling and praying with was somebody who got really overwhelmed. He became an alcoholic. And he became an alcoholic, and I'll tell you why he did, which is a tragic story. He gave his little boy an apple to eat, and the little boy choked on the apple. And that was a moment in his life, and he, he caused him to go totally and utterly spiraled out of control. And that's what can happen. Failure can cause people to spiral out of control. But he says the righteous, even though they fail, even though they fall, they just pick themselves up again and carry on and move forward in life. They just move forward. Because here's what failure can do. Because failure can cause you to push into God. That where, when we allow failure to rule in us, it confines us, it holds us back. But when we refuse to allow failure to hold us back and limit us, we just get up again. And act as if that failure never took place. You think about it. You see, if that failure is confining you and holding you and limiting you in your life, that means you're living in the present as that failure still exists. But when I live as, the, as far as God is concerned, the moment you confess it, the moment you put it, put it under the blood, it no longer exists. So if it no longer exists before God, why are you living as though it does exist? Why are you living and can, allowing your life to be confined by it Rather than say, no longer will that failure hold me and crush me and freeze me. You think where failure really does exist. Really, failure exists in your past. It can only affect your present when you allow your past to come into your present. Rather than confine it to the past where it belongs. So it's learning to take the failure and saying, failure, I'm confining you where you belong, and you belong in the past. You do not belong in my present, and you certainly don't belong in my future. I'm confining you to where you belong. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 10. A little bit further, a little bit further up in that verse. It says, if you faint... In the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you give up in failure, then your strength is small. Don't allow failure to dictate your future. You've got to get up and go again because God is bigger than your failure. Can you say amen? I was looking at these statistics about baseball. How many have ever seen baseball? So I tell you, this, this is a crazy statistic. In baseball, 0.367 average for every thousand balls he connects 367 times. In other words, out of 367 times you connect it out of a thousand balls. So you get a thousand balls thrown at you and out of those thousand balls you only connect with it 367 times. Now, if you connect with that ball 367 times out of 1,000, then you are considered to be a superstar in American baseball. You think about it, you miss it more than you hit it. But you're still considered a success because at some point you actually hit it. So you may miss it twice, but when you do hit it, man, 
You get a run, a home run, as I call it. And so the point is, is sometimes that we keep swinging the bat, even though we sometimes missed it. We confine our failure to where it was. You know, Coca-Cola, when they actually started their first product, they only sold 40 bottles. But they kept on going, they kept on swinging the bat. Abraham Lincoln stood for president even though he failed seven times. But he kept swinging the bat. And you hear so many stories of success about people, even though they failed time and time again, refused to allow their failure to confine them, and they just got up again and said, I'm going to keep swinging the bat. Because eventually, I'm going to hit it. Eventually, I'm going to succeed. Eventually, there's going to be a breakthrough. I refuse to allow my failure to be confined and to hold me back. Here's the second thing about failure. Failure actually focuses on your finite, how finite we are. Because failure will, will cause you to recognize, really, that we're all vulnerable. We're all weak. None of us have got it really all together. And it kind of makes you aware of your own vulnerability, of your own weakness, which makes you more dependable on God. See, that's what Peter had to learn. He says, Lord, I will never betray you and I will never let you down. I will never deny you. Because he never was aware of his own vulnerability and his own weakness. But the moment he failed, the moment he messed up, he realized his true weakness. And out of his weakness, it brought him into a new dependency on God. And I'll tell you what failure will do. It will cause you to be more dependent on God. It will make you realize you can't do it in your own power. You can't do it in your own strength. You haven't got it all together as you thought you had. And you learn to grow and deepen your dependency on God. So that's often failure. I found often some of the people who've got the greatest levels of faith, some of the people who depend on God more than I've ever known, are people who have failed in life. But they've learned through their failure to become more dependent and reliant on God. There's the next thing. I think failure succeeds when we don't make an attempt. A man who never made a mistake is a person who never made anything. And I think many people had a go in their early years, when they, maybe when you first became a Christian or in your early years, you would attempt and you'd go for anything. But because it didn't work out, we kind of pull back and we now don't attempt anything at all. So we live our lives thinking, I've got to be so careful. I'm not worthy. Rather than realizing that often God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I think over the last century, one of the persons who has one of some of them, one of the greatest healing ministries this century, really, was a woman called Catherine Coleman. And she said this, you know what? She says, I realized in life that I wasn't really good at anything. I was average. I mean, it felt like you're just average. You know, you're, you're never brilliant, but you just... And she felt, she said, I realized I was just average at everything. In sport, I was average... 
you know, doing this, I was average. I, was never, I never excelled in anything, really, she would say. And she realized in so many things in life, she, 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 she almost was a nothing. And she realized something. She says, God, I can't offer you anything. The only thing I can offer you is my nothingness. And she said she offered God her nothingness, if you like, her foolishness. And out of that spirit and heart, God flowed and did incredible things for her. God did an amazing thing because she offered God her nothingness. And I think so often that it's taking failure and believing that failure is a stepping stone to the next level of breakthrough. Sometimes we can even get a romantic idea of the disciples. Judas was a thief. Peter denied the Lord. And he actually cut a guy's ear off. Can you imagine that? I mean, he he used knives. He used swords, man. He said things he shouldn't have said. He he said things out of turn. All kinds of stuff there. Thomas was a doubter. and, And we look at these disciples and we often recognize, man, they did not anyway have it together but they had this sense that God could still use them even though in spite of their failures God says I need people who have a spirit who really in a sense we're just going to have a go I love Madeline Harris she's one of the Elim evangelists and she always says to people when she's teaching about evangelism have a go, just have a go doesn't matter if you mess up, doesn't matter if you fail but just have a go and I think that's just a great spirit, a great, just have a go. You know, have a go, just go for it. Take a risk, step out, have a go at it. And she's often found that the people who are willing to do that are the ones that eventually see the greatest breakthroughs. You think about it, if we're not willing to have a go, then we'll never see a breakthrough, is that right? But at least if we are willing to keep going and have a go, eventually the breakthrough will come. Can you say amen? Parable of the talents. So we thought about the parable of the talents. Three people, all given talents. You think about it, who was the failure? The one that never used their talents. The one that never took a risk. The one that never stepped out. The one that didn't say, okay, this may fail, but I'm at least going to attempt it. Let's just look at that. Look at what happened in Matthew 25. You just look at that verse and, and see the word that Jesus said, or the Lord said to that person in Matthew 25. Look at verse 24 of Matthew 25. Now remember, he's the one, he's only received one, where the others received a lot more than that. But in Matthew 24, it says, Then he who had received the one talent came and says, Lord, I I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, that is what you have, what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap what I've not sown and gathered what I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming, and I would have received back my own with interest. And that's what fear does. 
An inability to take a risk. And I'm saying, let's get out of the box. Let's have a go. Winston Churchill said, success consists of going from one failure to another failure without any loss of enthusiasm. President Kennedy said, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. Have a go. Emily found that every promise of God always has a risk connected to it. You know, Jesus said, and you think of the, the mission that he gave the disciples. It was a mission impossible. It was a mission they could not achieve in their own power and strength. But the word of the Lord was, go, respond, act on what I'm saying for you to do. And it was that risk-taking, that willing to step out that saw incredible things. Here's the next thing about failure. You know, failure increases wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And I think failure is one of those things that produces wisdom. Because here's the point. We learn from our failures. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 31. The great thing about failure is that you learn. Wisdom is gained even by failure and mistakes. Proverbs 15, verse 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who reads rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom before honor is humility. Isn't that awesome? In other words, through failure, we learn lessons. Now, the point is, you don't keep repeating your mistakes. How many realize that? Someone said this, the height of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect the same result, different results. And so, we, we make mistakes, but each time we make a mistake, we learn from it. Do you know science really has grown through that? I think it was Edison, he one who created the, uh, the light bulb. I am told that he's tried it 764 times. And they said to him, you failed 764 times. He said, no, I've learned 764 ways it doesn't work. In other words, every time he learned from it. And that's what happens. Sometimes we never learn lessons because not, we're not willing to take to learn, to, to take the chance and, and have the failure. Because often, some of the wisest people you'll ever meet are people who've made a lot of mistakes along the way. But out of their mistakes, out of their, out of their failure, they learn wisdom. They gain wisdom from it, and they learn more of God's ways. Children learn to do, often, outside the lines. People, children learn to ride bikes when they fall off. I remember our girls, I, I can't believe I did this, but... I think I've just carried to kind of put her on a hill and said, okay, Carrie, off you go, down the hill. She said, I think you learned to ride that day, didn't you, sort of thing. Right, remember, they'd always fall off and get back on again and fall off, get back on again. That's how they learn. And that's how we learn to children all the time, wasn't it? We were, we were trying something, we failed, we got up again, we just did it. How come we did that as children, but we lose sight of it when we become adults? 
We don't attempt anything. We don't do anything because we're afraid we might fall off and fail. But God says, come on, get on. Learn from your mistakes. Look at Psalm 119, verse 67. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. It says, I realize there was an outcome to me doing wrong. I was afflicted, but now I've got my life on track. I learned from my mistakes. I learned from my failure. And now my life is back on track. And some of the ways, that's the greatest way to learn. There's the next thing. Failure can cause you to discover things that you had that you didn't even know you had. Let me show you a verse. It's a great verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 23. Kind of seems a strange verse. Proverbs 13, verse 23. Much food is in the fallow of the ground of the poor. And for lack of justice, there is waste. In other words, the ground that they're standing on is fallow ground. But if they learned to effectively break up that fallow ground, they would discover that right under their feet, there's potential and ability to grow incredible crops and food. And often in life, sometimes we don't really realize what we have. We don't realize the potential that we have in life. And maybe the worst thing is to go, the, go through our whole lives and never really tap into the potential that's inside us. Never realize what we have. How many have discovered that sometimes when you really, when, when that real, out of that failure, that you really discover things about yourself you never knew you had? You never really knew you could do that until you attempted it. Is that right? You never really realized all the abilities, all the gifts, all the talents, all the potential that really lies deep inside you until you began to step out and attempt it. Have you found that, that? That sometimes when you did something for the first time, you realized what you really had. You didn't realize you could do it. I think the truth is that I probably wouldn't ever be preaching here because I know the first times, and I'm still learning, but I remember the first time I ever preached, I remember stepping, I fell off the stage. I remember stepping back, falling off the stage. The second time I did it, I remember setting fire to curtains. It was a catastrophe every single time I did it. But for something in me, I thought, I'm going to keep going. And I had a stuttering lips and mistakes and failure and all this sort of stuff. I just kept going. But I learned every time what not to do. I'm not doing that time again. So I've never, too much, I say, to, I'm not going to actually say I'm not going to step out off the stage again. Who knows? But the point is that we keep going even though we attempt things and fail. And you begin to discover things about yourself you never had. You discover your true potential. So I tell you, I think the goal of the end of your life is that you come to the end of your life. And you can look back and say every single ability, every gift, every bit of potential has been squeezed out of me. And everything God's put in me, and somehow I've released it. Nothing has been unused inside my life. And I think that is a successful life. A life that has squeezed out 
every bit of potential gift, talent for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing about failure. I think failure makes you less judgmental. When you've realized how much you've failed, I think you tend to look at people very differently. When you've gone through something that didn't work out for you, then I think you begin to have more compassion. The Bible says that we're not to judge anyone lest we be judged. In other words, we often make judgments about people that if we were in the same place, we would probably do exactly the same thing. But yet we judge and condemn others for sometimes some of the things that we would probably do anyway. That's what the Bible actually says. That's what we have to be careful about. Because often God will put you in exactly the same place in another way to see how you deal in that situation. But often I found, often people can become judgmental because they've never really seen themselves. And usually they have unresolved failure in their own heart that they want to project onto others. But I think true failure gives you such a level of compassion because you realize that others have the same struggles that you have. And so you're more compassionate. You're more understanding when other people are struggling in life because you know what it feels like. Isn't that true in life in general? The Bible says that, 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 that we, we, we understand his goodness because we've had to experience it ourselves. We have compassion on others because of what we've gone through. Isn't it true? You, you find often people have incredible levels of compassion in certain areas because they know what they've been through. When you have a certain loss in life and you see others going through that same loss, you know exactly the feelings they have. If you've never been through it, it's very hard to understand the depths of what they feel. But often think through failure, it can create a greater compassion in life for others. Here's the last thing. I love this one. Failure is not final. I like that. Failure is not final. It's not over until God says it's over. And I think people can go through horrendous things. But here's the point. You see some of the horrendous things that people go through, and I've seen it many times over the years, so you're in a pastoral position, you see some of the struggles and some of the horrendous things often people go through in life. But I found this often. The area where they struggled, even the area where they failed, often became the area where their, that was their strength. That became their strength. Isn't that amazing? How God can turn, away, turn around an incredible failure and make it their greatest strength. I could tell you countless times where people had a failure in a certain area. And where they failed in that area, it suddenly became their greatest strength in life. I just love the fact that it's never over until God says it's over. I think of Joseph. He had this incredible dream that God poured into his heart. That dream was so strong and so powerful. He told that dream in an unwise manner. He told that dream in a sense of boasting, which made his brothers get angry and bitter. And we all know the story ended up in a pit and being sold as a slave. But you know what? As the years went by, God took that failure 
and he became a leader in the land of Egypt. Isn't that wonderful? But God can take all those things and do amazing things. Failure is not final. If you're, stri- if you're striving to do the right thing, even when you fail, the enemy has got no right to condemn you. Let me give you one last verse as I close. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he shall fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. When you fall, if your intent is right, he's holding on even in your failures in his hands. The enemy has kept you down because something has happened, but God is able to uphold you with his hand. Let me close with this. Think about this question. Think about this in your heart right now. If that failure had never happened in your life, how different would your life be right now? Think about it. How different would your life be? How different would your life, as you feel, would have turned out. Now, if you look back and say, actually, from that point on, that moment that that failure happened, it's changed my life in a negative way and continually does so, then that is one thing that you need to deal with right now. Because you're saying, God, that changed my life. But the point is today, it needn't do that. It can become something that is actually a strength in your life and he can press you on into further things in God. It could be a failure in all kinds of areas, in all kinds of ways but you've let it hold you back for too long and now today, this moment is the time to release it and let it not freeze you let it free you. This is what the Bible says the anointing shall destroy the yoke in other words, a failure can be something that you're yoked to. You're yoked to it. Can't move forward, can't move on because you're yoked to it. But the Bible says the anointing can destroy it. And the word destroy means annihilate, as if it's never happened. And that's what God does by the Holy Spirit. He comes upon your life, you open up your life to him, and he breaks it. So you now, instead of something that's held you back in life, now this is something that you're going to break free from. Not freeze you, not hold you, not paralyze you in life anymore. And you can see certain areas where you're paralyzed in that area of your life. I found sometimes somebody did something and somebody said something afterwards to them. And that, wow, what that person said, you're so paralyzed, you so held you back. Some negative comment that someone made over you. And from that point on, you said, well, I'm not doing that again. Look what, look what that person said about it. Or it could be something that. Some area you just fail, thought, well, I'm not going to attempt that again because the last time I did it, I just messed up. I'm not going to do it again. That's paralyzed you. It's time to say, God, I want you to bring me to freedom. Isn't freedom what Christianity is all about? It's being free. He who the Son sets free is what? Free. Being free to be all that God has called you to be. Let's just stand for a few moments right now. That's what I want you to do in these moments. I just want you to come before the Lord. And I want you to think about that moment in your life. 
And that was the moment in your life where something paralyzed you from moving forward in that one area of your life. I said before, could it be something someone said? Could it be in the fact you were disappointed the way it turned out? Or opposition rose up as you attempted it and just all kinds of stuff and opposition rose up as you did it. But it kind of paralyzed you and, and just held you back from fulfilling the potential that all that God has put in you. I feel this morning the Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to set us free. He doesn't want us to be paralyzed by that one event in life anymore. In fact, he wants you to use it as a stepping stone to a greater level and a greater dimension, a greater understanding of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his power. So right now in these moments, I just want to say, Lord, I'm giving to you that failure right now, whatever it is. Just give it to me. Say, Lord, I'm just giving you that failure right now. That area of my life where I just know I failed so badly. And from that point on, I felt so condemned and, and, so, and so held back. But right now, I'm giving to you my failure. Instead of lying down in that area, I'm going to get back up again and go again and move forward in that area right now. Whatever it is. I feel there's someone here and you, you still hear the words of what someone said to you. Those words that so cut you. That so went right into the core of your heart and it's just caused you to step back and never attempt it again because of what that person said. God wants you to sort of lay it aside. It's not what people say ultimately. It's what he says. And he says you're a success. He says there's no more condemnation. He's for you, not against you. So open your heart now. Say, Lord, I give that failure to you right now. That failure, that disappointment, that discouragement, that situation never turned out the way I hoped it would. And, and so I never really attempted it again because I just failed in that area. Jesus came to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Right at the core of his failure. And Jesus comes to you and says, look, Get up again. Run the race again. Don't allow your failure to put boundaries on your life. But rise up again. Just bring to the Lord right now. So in your heart, just pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I give you my failure. I ask you now to cleanse me and to forgive me. I ask you, Lord, to Set me free and to liberate me. Don't allow, Lord, help me not to allow that failure anymore to confine me or to define who I am. But help me to rise up and to stand up and to move forward and to go from glory to glory and from strength to strength and from power to power. Lord, I lay aside my failure right now. Thank you that your love is greater than my failure. Thank you, your power is greater than my weakness. Thank you that your grace is greater than my mistakes. And so, Lord, I thank you today that you are such a great and awesome God. I hand over to you every failure, every mistake, and believe that, Lord God, that you 
can still use my life for your glory and for your honor. Just open your heart right now. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just invite you into those areas right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us in those areas right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Just open your heart to him right now. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Empower me to be the parent you've called me to be. Empower me to be the spouse you've called me to be. Empower me to be the friend you've called me to be. Empower me to be the believer you've called me to be. Release your spirit, release your power in those areas right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's give him the praise. Let's give him the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. 